Hello there and welcome to episode 4 of the Night Gallery podcast. My name is Chris Brown and as you've just heard there we've changed the theme music to match the fact that we're now in season 1 properly rather than just in the pilot episodes. Um, the story, which we'll get to in a second, is called The Dead Man, which is a classic. But I thought it's best probably just have a little word about the what well, well the theme tune and the uh, the visual titles that you've well, you've just heard obviously not seen because this is audio. Um, written by Jill Malay, uh, Jack Lloyd brought but Jill on board basically to bring a more experimental feel to the soundtrack. Um, the musician was best known for his work using uh, synthesizers and that kind of thing very early on. Obviously, we're talking in the early, well, 1970 at this stage. Um, it really fits because it's quite off-kilter and quite spooky and macabre. The titles themselves as well are, are quite interesting. They were um, created by Wayne Fitzgerald and were only done with a week to go. Basically what happened was um, a title scene had been put together and NBC didn't like it and they didn't like it at all. And uh, Wayne was brought in at the last minute to try and create something that would fit the uh, the tone of it. Um, obviously, had no time to shoot anything because he only had a week to provide it. But as is always uh, can quite frequently be the case with these kind of things, he managed to create a a sequence out of nothing that really encapsulates it, and it's quite spooky and scary. As you probably know, obviously, it's. Um, it's certainly something that the fans really enjoy about the series, and it's um, it's got images of, well, basically <laughs> distorted images of people screaming coming towards the screen, uh, but that's also like misplaced around cutouts from the paintings that were made. Um, it's ace man. It's just it, it it's, it's cool because it um, it provides little glimpses rather than big grand ideas. I think it's not. Um, it's simple. It's very simple, and you know, it's getting little. I mean, if it would be silly if just to have big flash-ups of people screaming and looking terrified, which is effectively what it is. But intercut the paintings as well, and just like a little little glimpse of these people, it kind of works really strongly for me. Anyway, on to the Dead Man, um, fans' favourite, and rightly so, an incredibly strong opener for season one. Just to give you a very quick idea, um, it was shown in December of 1970. It is. Um, it was shown as part of a anthology, a rotating anthology, basically of different stories called Four and One on NBC quite late at night. It worked though. It worked for um, for Rod Serling. It means that he didn't have to dedicate his life as much as when he'd done The Twilight Zone and obviously because he didn't have a producer's credit he was literally just providing these uh, talkie pieces and well the introductions just to say and the scripts interestingly enough this isn't one of the ones he provided and it's one of the fan favourites but I think it's possibly because it was created by one man effectively written and directed by Douglas Hayes it's based on a uh, story by Fritz Leder it's one of the longer stories. It's a 30 minute. I wouldn't say you can guarantee quality by the 30 minute episodes, but it does tend to be the short of the story with Night Gallery. They tend, they're the ones that tend to come up as being a bit meh, a bit rubbish. It's 30 minutes. You've got time to build the characters and get to the scare. And it, you know, I mean, it's 
it's slow build stuff, but it works well, and it works really well in this example. Okay, the story is basically about a doctor, Max Redford, who invites his mate, well, colleague more like, uh, friend and colleague, uh, Miles Talmadge, basically to witness this experiment that he's working on. He's very excited about what he's doing. He's working with a guy called John Fearing, who is he's a good-looking lad for one. He spends a lot of time with his top off on lying down in this story. But um, he's a man who's so open to suggestion in hypnosis that his body can replicate um, symptom, symptoms of illness. See, Redford has this idea that if he could use that to his advantage, he could use hypnosis to basically cure illness. Um, Talmadge is blown away by this, as you'd probably expect. Um, goes to, um, well, speaks with him over dinner, but does spot something that worries him. Uh, Redford's wife, Valia, and fearing the patient's obviously are hitting it off in a very <laughs> more more than just friendly way so well, Talmadge basically goes to Redford and says listen mate you've got a choice you can either save your marriage and jettison this patient or if you really think you're onto something you the risk you run is that you will lose your wife to this rather dashing uh, blonde haired uh, man he decides to go for it anyway. He doesn't really think he's got much of a choice, really, to be fair, good old um, Redford. It's, things start to escalate as he experiments, and what happens is, we, well, we suddenly find ourselves, and they find themselves, in a situation where fearing is showing symptoms of, of death, basically. He's, he's dead through hypnosis, and Redford can't revive him he just can't he can't click it out of it he's exp it's all done through him beating the scissors on a on a board to make it to do a beat and when he does three bangs and then a, a second third bang he thinks that it's meant to arouse fearing back to well, back to life effectively rear body reanimation um doesn't do it and then you kind of go to after the well they have the funeral pretty grim um and then after the funeral, um, Tamworth is Tamworth, sorry, is uh, brought uh, back to Redford's big mansion uh, home, where all this is all held. The bulk of the story is being held. I mean, it clicks to briefly to the cemetery, where uh, the, bur the burial is twice in the story. But that's really it's very much based around this big house. Um, and Redford, fi Tamworth finds. Redford's kind of a broken man, but not as broken as Velia, his wife, who is ab is almost catatonic through grief. Um, Redford asks him for one last favour, really. What he wants him to do is look through his um, his notes uh, and listen to the tapes of the record of the uh, hypnosis sessions, and try and work out exactly what went wrong and why it went wrong. He he. In the back of his mind, he thinks that even though he didn't mean to kill him, subconsciously, he might have done. And it's it's playing merry hell with his mind. He's just hating that idea. So, what happens is basically you see uh, Talmadge 
going through all the tapes and what he finds out is that subconsciously Redford did want to kill him did want to kill um, Fearin he can't hear in his head the fact that he keeps on missing the beats instead of 3 and 1 it should have been 3 and 2 and that would have revived him and even once it's shown to him Redford's kind of in denial about it um, but that's kind of irrelevant at this stage I mean he's what happens next is and this is where we get really spoiler heavy because we're heading right to the big conclusion now Velia has overheard what's happened sprints out the um, the mansion heads straight to the cemetery and you see Redford and Talmadge following her trying to, trying to catch her before she does what you kind of think she's going to do and sure enough you see her over the crypt where Fearing's been buried banging three times and then twice again after overhearing what they said and this is, I mean, it's a bit contrived to get to this point, but it's a great reveal. Talmadge gets lost in the cemetery and can't find him. And then when he does finally get to the crypt, what he sees is the big shock. And he sees a catatonic Velia sitting there, just pasty white face, black eyes, and just mouthing slightly in horror, unable to speak of what she's seeing. And what she's seeing is... The rotting corpse, which you see, which is classic for 1970. It's a great little um, black. Well, he's he's just decayed flesh. He's kind of and with a big shock of his blonde. This guy's blonde hair, with his hands around the throat of Redford, and he's killed him. He's he's throttled the life out of him, and he's so it's basically like a like a zombie kind of ending, but real classic 1950s shock fearful shock oh it's absolutely great and then you're back in the uh, the night gallery and we'll, we'll get on to what happens next next week really because it's the next it's next story man as you can probably tell from the way i'm talking i absolutely bang on love this episode it is impressive first off and it's impressive because it has the ability well as it, it has a lot of themes really it, it works well initially because you know it's about hypnosis and about the power of the subconscious and not just that though not just the power of the subconscious for the victim fearing but also the power of the subconscious for the man who becomes the victim in redford it it, it what it does is <clears throat> it sees that kind of the fact that it 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 has an idea that almost like not mad scientisty, but it is well it is a mad scientist sort of story in the end but it has that power of one man who thinks he's manipulating the subconscious of one person is actually as much a victim of his subconscious as the guy he's talking to really um douglas hayes was an old hand um it was a writer and director he'd done stuff for alfred hitchcock presents and of course the twilight zone um, I know it's not a sailing script. Um, in fact, neither of the stories in this episode are. The Housekeeper is another Douglas Hayes uh, story. I mean, we'll get to that next week. Um, but I mean, that's and that's. Impre- I mean, that's. You can kind of wonder. It's quite interesting that they did that initially. I mean, I suppose in a sense it does show where things were going. Uh, you know, that did they really need? sailing at all in places um 
But although it isn't a sailing script, it's it's well written. It's very dense. It's very quite tight story. I mean, he, he packs a lot in to get through it, and I, I, you you see it, and you, it is quite surprising, really. I mean, because I mean, it took me just to describe the story there. What took six, seven minutes, and that I mean, it's only thirty minute episodes. It, it really drives. It really goes, but it's it, it also like it it gets to its conclusion, but it doesn't feel rushed at the end. It feels pacey and weighted part that's down to some very very good direction on Hayes front initially obviously it's grand open gothic mansion kind of thing you start off with the lead up classic classic horror story entrance where the gates open and he goes up the drive um, this is uh, as you know in the meeting before the, as the as the first meet and um, he goes up the drive and you see you know where our setting's going to be for the, these ghoulish effects and then after the funeral, everything tightens up. I mean, the shots are a lot closer, they're a lot tighter in, the tension builds, and you feel like you're trapped, and almost trapped in a... in like Because the theory, I mean, the theory behind it is that, in a way, Fearing is mentally alive, but his body is failing him and rotting away. He's unable to stop himself. So that's why he attacks Fearing so much. He just goes for him when he, when he gets reanimated. And I think that's why, because it's he's been lying there in some horrible, just macabre state of feeling his body rot away, and that idea is just so grim and close and claustrophobic. And the direction matches that. It, it really gets onto the skin. I think um, it's so ghoulish. I mean, it's, it is real gothic horror stuff. I mean, you know. Uh, it, watching this reminds you of, obviously, things like Herbert West, Reanimator, um, which is the Lovecraft story, which is just you know obviously about you know, I'm assuming you know it, but the you know the scientist who uh, gets his own experiments come back to haunt him, as it were, um, and then obviously the you know, Edgar Allan Poe kinds of love triangle at the the heart of it. It's also um, it's helped as well by uh, Rob Prince's music. I mean, it fits it bang on. It really cranks up the tension. By the time you get to that big reveal, you are you've you've been put through the ringer, absolutely put through the ringer, and it's dark and I mean, fright. It is genuinely a classic moment in horror, and that's your payoff before you even start a second story. I mean, that's the impressive thing about I think for Night Gallery. I mean, that could sit on its own. As as a store as as an episode of anything, it's not that they were doing weak stories to to match up with with strong ones because they're not. Cause both these stories are are good. I mean, you can say what you like about the housekeeper, and we'll get onto that next week. But it's one of the what I consider to be it's it's more lightweight as a story. It's it's fine basically. It's just okay. It's good. It's entertaining. It has some great stuff in it. It's quite funny, in truth. But it's not um, It's not like this. This is a hefty, hefty story. And it really stands up on its own. It also helps as well, I think, that because it has a, a timelessness to it. It reminds you very much of... Um, well, again, I mean, it's when we were talking about The Cemetery, the, um, the, the first story in the pilot, that's kind of a gothic-y kind of horror, and this is the same, it has a similar kind of touch, a similar feel to it. I honestly think, though, it's this, this timelessness of this story, I mean, you could you could make this as part of, 
one of the stories in Fear Itself or Masters of Horror and you'd probably want to crank out a bit more gore but it still works really well it still works really really well so as I've been leading on to anyway next week we're going to be talking about The Housekeeper um, I'm also going to have a bit of chat about the paintings because I realised that I haven't really gone into them as much as I probably should um, but I'm going to try and split a lot of the information like the behind the scenes information up so it's not quite so all focused in the one one or two episodes and you know you get a bit more time to listen to stuff um okay that's it really for today um we're gonna come back next week but usual housekeeping stuff if you want to leave any feedback you can at nightgallery at the twilight zone podcast.com um, if you want to check out any information, all well, all all podcasts are hosted at thetwilightzonepodcast.com. There's also, obviously, unsurprisingly, Tom Elliott's um, efforts, the uh, Twilight Zone podcast, which is a great, great uh, podcast there as well. You should definitely listen to that one. Um, but until next week with the housekeeper, I'll speak to you soon.